My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. We can all get these symptoms from time to time. But if you or a loved one notice you're getting a combination of them regularly, don't ignore it. They could be signs of a brain tumour. My headache won't go away. I get blurry vision. My balance is awful. I'm exhausted. To learn more about the common signs of a brain tumour, search Better Safe Than Tumour. Welcome to Let's Talk About Brain Tumours, the podcast where we'll be talking to people who've been affected by a brain tumour diagnosis, either their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of a loved one. We'll also be sharing news and updates from the Brain Tumour Charity about what we're doing to halve the harm and double survival. Welcome to the podcast. I've got with me Cam today and we're going to be talking to Lauren and Lucy about ending active treatment and what being cured actually means after you've had a brain tumor diagnosis so welcome to the podcast cam it's lovely to see you again hi yeah nice to see you as well nice to get back onto the podcast again and lucy do you want to tell us a little bit about how you've come to be here today hello so my name's lucy and when i was three years old i was diagnosed with a medulloblastoma brain tumour in 1998. I was in holiday in France, so I was rescued by um, air ambulance. When I got back home from October to December in 1998, I had surgery to remove the tumour. Through nearly all of 1999, I had chemotherapy along with radiotherapy treatment, a Hickman line for the doctors to give me anaesthetic, and having lots of blood taken, which being being three wasn't the best thing in life. All my treatment was finished one week before Christmas and it hasn't returned. Oh God, that one week before Christmas, I bet that was a good Christmas. I think though, I was excited about Christmas, but I think the main thing I was excited about was having a proper bubble bath. As having the Hickman line, I couldn't get it wet at all. So baths that year were misery. (laughs) Thank you for that. And what about you, Lauren? Want to tell us a little bit about about you? Hello, my name is Lauren Nichols and I was diagnosed with a brain tumour called a polymyxoid astrocytoma. I was treated with chemotherapy before the tumour came back again in 2007, in which I was then treated with radiotherapy. All my treatment was then completed in May 2008. So all three of you have completed your treatment. What I'm wondering at this point is, what does that mean? When you finish treatment, most people would assume that that's it, end of story, you go back to your normal life and it's all good. Is that your experience? Um, my experience was you finish treatment, you think that's the end of it, but then you go home with like a boatload of tablets, you've got regular appointments to go check up. I had regular blood tests, which I still do to this day. Checks my sodium level in my blood, check it's stable. One major thing is I don't have a thirst, so I have to regulate my own fluid, and that's why they check my sodium level. The biggest thing is accepting the change, because 
to everyone else. They don't have to go to the doctors every week. They don't have to get certain checks. Don't have to take medication, etc. So, what about you, Lauren? What does ending active treatment, like you said, it was two thousand and eight? Did you say that you finished active treatment? So yeah. it's been quite a long time. So you just live your life normally. Is that how you experience it? Not really. I mean, nearly fifteen years on, and I'm still on like regular tablets. The doctors have kind of said you could be on these for the rest of your life because without those. I don't know how things would be. So, yeah, from completing my treatment and being in remission, I still feel haunted by the late effects of the tumour. You know, it's left me with a right side of weakness where I can't open and close independently. The doctors were like, you might not be able to drive, which is a big thing because I want my independence, you know. They've also said, oh, well, you've got to have regular blood tests to make sure that things are all right. I'm absolutely terrified. I'm so needlephobic. So for me, that's not very good. And then, you know, you get letters to the post going, oh, we'll have a checkup here and a checkup there. One doctor's like, oh, can you go for a blood test? And the other one's like, can you go for a blood test? And I still feel very conscious still of like walking down the street, what people think. You go down a street or you go into like primary school, secondary school, college, people kind of just stare at you. I've noticed this a lot from other people and they don't know what to say to you. Everyone defines themselves as normal. Like that's the like word, if you like. And I feel like a lot of people that have been affected with brain tumours aren't seen as normal. You know, you kind of get strange looks and you're forced to kind of tell them what's wrong with you. I've experienced that quite a lot through all of my life, even now. So I think that's kind of, a big aspect for me yeah absolutely and it's quite a big one isn't it what does normal actually mean like you said you don't know what you would have been like if you didn't have a brain tumor but you know that a lot of the things that you are dealing with now that wouldn't have been what your normal would have been had you not had a brain tumor definitely yeah and what about you lucy yeah there was so much to take in there my mind is just full of things so i was thinking about the word normal and about being cured maybe in the hospital so after treatment was completely finished I'm cured the tumor hasn't come back though it has left side effects so for example like a normal person wouldn't be taking genotropin that's that was to help me grow and then that helps me with energy I have a low bone density from the radiotherapy it zapped down my spine um so i take vitamin d3 tablets for that there's quite a big gap from radiotherapy to my third year of university which was when it started i got diagnosed with epilepsy and was that as a result of your treatment that you had yes that was from radiotherapy so radiotherapy i was given back in 1998 to 1999 and from then on everything was completely fine so through then I just have regular blood tests and then suddenly I was in my third year of university I was in a restaurant with a friend suddenly I was trying to talk but my mouth paused there was a I could feel a a twitchy feeling on the corner of my lip everything had paused I couldn't do anything I had no control over myself 
I then had an unconscious seizure. I fell backwards on my chair. And the doctors had thought it was a one-off reaction to some anti-malaria tablets I'd been taking during and after Dominican Republic. I went to in the half term in 2017. I had an MRI scan which showed these micro little tiny dots called um, cavernomas, which is what the radiotherapy left, which were causing these little epilepsy reactions. So seizures aren't actually to do with a brain tumour, they're to do with the treatment. It's sort of like, um, just making me think of the food chain. So you've got the cancer, then you've got the radiotherapy to treat that with the cancer, and then you've got the epilepsy that was that was caused from the radiotherapy. And I think that's a really important distinction, isn't it? Because treatment for brain tumours, horrific in the sense of what you go through when you're actually having them, because chemo, surgery and radiotherapy, the standard treatments, but they all come with their own set of issues. Yeah. Pam, you were nodding your head there. Yeah, it just seems like the fallout, you know, you're using something to treat one thing, but like chemotherapy is quite a toxic chemical. You know, the different chemos you can have. Radiotherapy is really quite powerful. So the fallout of that, of, you know, taking one big damaging factor to your body out, but it leaves damaging effects. And especially with your brain, it must do more damage you know, than say you had it in other places in your body. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Lucy and Lauren, you were quite young. I know, Lauren, you were a bit, bit old when you had your recurrence. But was anybody, your family or yourselves, ever made aware of the long-term effects of having treatment? Me. They told me at first that I had a muscle imbalancement. And obviously then we figured it was a brain tumour, but there wasn't, at that specific time, there wasn't really anyone available. Like the brain tumour charity just wasn't available at that kind of time. And we were always just told, oh, come and speak to your doctor or your GP, kind of. Then my mum and dad were a little bit like, well, you're constantly going to them, to in and fro And my mum and dad were just like, you know, all you need is us. So they kind of relied on themselves to kind of make me feel better get me the relevant tablets, etc. But did yeah. anyone actually say to you, when you have chemotherapy or radiotherapy, radiotherapy has these impacts later down the line, some of the side effects that you may encounter from having this treatment? Not that I knew of, because at the time it was a life or death situation. I either had it and lived or I didn't, and the chances were that I ended up dying. I mean... My heart stopped a couple of times. I think they were just like, we just need to kind of get on and do as much treatment as possible to make her better. One of the the things that, as a charity, really look at is the quality of life. And part of that is around getting treatments that have a less invasive and cause less damage, because we know that some of these treatments have such severe effects on the quality of life. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily think about. They, they see somebody who's maybe, like you've just said, Lucy, you know, you've got epilepsy as a consequence of radiotherapy. People may look at you and think that it's your brain tumour did that, but actually it's the radiotherapy. Yeah, it wasn't the brain tumour at all, but 
without the radiotherapy, I I wouldn't be here. Mm. It had to be done. I mean, if my mum and dad wouldn't have made that decision, I might not have been here today. Mm. So I guess you've kind of just got to look at the positives in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And you've touched on some of it, but you've obviously life after active treatment at the very least talked about some of the ongoing challenges that presumably you kind of know that you're going to have to sort of adapt and live with as you go through life how does that affect you on a daily basis some of the things that you are now dealing with for example on job applications do you write that you had a brain tumor because technically I guess do you consider yourself now to have a brain tumor how do you describe that when you apply for a job for example for me I just I started off by putting um, I have a slight right-hand side of weakness. And then as I've got a job, been successful in things, my parents have been like, maybe that's not as relevant now. Mm-hmm. Because, well, I went through one job application and the people didn't employ me. It, it was quite discriminative, but they didn't employ me on the basis, obviously because I had a right side of weakness, they thought I would be less able. I still get it now. Like the other week, I tried picking up a table to move it and someone went, oh, no, I'll do it, Lauren, you've only got one hand. That, for me, is really, really upsetting. So I kind of just put that on my CV. I feel like in the last application that I did for Tesco, I didn't put it on there because I was scared that they'd take that and be like, oh, no, in the bin kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted kind of an equal chance as to someone who in a way was normal that word normal again <laughs> yeah, that word normal I could see you nodding there Cam I don't put it down on the application or I don't put it on my CV I do try to say in the early stages if not in the interview I feel like I found a way of talking about it now without going into it because it's been, it's gone. Yeah, you do have some underlying effects that they'll need to be aware of. But don't make it, not an issue, but like a big point that stands out that become like they see it as a problem. Yeah. Um, funny enough, last week I went for another interview and I spoke to the guy there who was a manager and I just casually brought it up and I said, my memory's not that good and I take medication, but I give him a solution to it. I say, it takes me a bit longer to learn, so obviously I might ask more. I'll take a notepad around with me so I can write notes. And I said, I take medication, and I'll either go out of the way and it'll take me two minutes, or I'll I'll be having them in my break time. It, it wasn't a problem at all, but I feel it's... Not everyone wants to do it, and I don't think everyone should do it if they don't want to, but I feel it's an obligation to let them know at the start rather than finding myself in a disciplinary later on. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. Do you say that it's because you've had a brain tumour or do you actually just focus on the impacts that you're actually dealing with? I try and just let them know the the problems I think that might arise. And then I say, it's because of a brain tumour, because it's about 12 years ago now. So that was 12 years ago, that's been and gone. 
but I've got these underlying effects mm. and I, I try not to dwell on it so it doesn't stand out to become a, a negative against me. This is interesting. You've all got quite a long gap, 12 years, 15 years. I can't remember how long yours was, Lauren, but quite a big, talking years from when you were in active treatment to where you are today, still having to deal with the effects of that that's very much impacted by your brain tumor diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a big gap. So yeah, I was thinking about what was mentioned earlier about job applications. Yeah. So I was thinking back. So the job that I've got is is fine. Everything that I've mentioned to the members of staff, they can completely understand and take it into account. In the past, I was working in childcare and at my very first placement at a nursery, I was thinking, oh yeah, the cancer is in the past. Like it shouldn't, like it wouldn't affect me at all like if I didn't mention it to them which I didn't and then I realized when there was one member of staff in particular where I wasn't given much thanks thank you for doing this for doing that and she'd get really cross or annoyed with with things easily and I started to notice that I had a lack of confidence and self-esteem which I've had since back in 1998 I've never really been that strong with confidence I I still get upset quite easily with little things Lauren did you have anything to say on that yeah so for me it was a lack of self-confidence kind of like getting used to like the new way of life um you know trying to make friends things like that was always quite hard for me and then obviously now growing up I'll be 20 next Tuesday. I kind of feel like I'm still kind of finding my way. Like, I'm even now, I'm still trying to upset myself for who I am and things like that. I found it quite difficult when I started at Tesco and I met someone because then it was quite difficult for me to explain how I'm like that. I still feel like, I'm kind of being judged almost and like I'm still being haunted by it now but you just kind of get on with it the best you can and kind of try and accept yourself and think I can do this why am I why am I feeling like this you know I should just be the same as anyone else that's kind of where I'm up to really but yeah, and just kind of taking things slow, like, you know, if I get called for a blood test or if I'm like, you know, I have an appointment at the doctor's or whatever, you know, you just kind of go and you just tell them how you feel and, yeah, take it from there, really. I think it would surprise a lot of people who haven't got brain tumours how much ongoing medical treatment you all have, because I think people just automatically think, you've had a brain tumor, you've had chemotherapy, you've had radiotherapy, you've had surgery, whatever the treatment option was. And then you just go back to normal life. Most of you are on medication for the rest of your life, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Do you consider yourself cured? I wouldn't say 100% cured because a good 99% of people come out with um, some after effects. Some it's not that wasn't the same as you were before, but it's, it's how people want to look at it, how people want to fail if they want to 
for their own peace of mind, say they're cured, then mm. um, it's each to their own. But I don't think I don't think there ever is a hundred percent cure for a brain tumor. In the sense of the brain tumor is gone and it's cured, yes. But in the fact of the active treatment, well, not particular. I think. For me, there could be a better word that doesn't just say you're cured because, like I say, yeah, you are for the brain tumour, but you're still going through the side effects and the motions of every day, you know, having to take tablets, having X, Y and Z wrong and things like that. I don't think, in my opinion, the definition of cured is coming back to the words of normal you don't you're just a normal regular person I'm not that and I'm sure you guys have other things you know but in that aspect in the aspect of keyword no yeah thank you Lauren I think that's a really good way of describing it what what do you feel about that Lucy yeah I was I was thinking I completely agree about like thinking of the word normal and not feeling like a hundred percent cured in a way one sense cured is the um sorry having the tumor removed that's all sealed up having a mark from having the hickman line taken out it's all completely done but then in another way you don't feel like the same as everybody else just as a like in a in a natural way where like people haven't suffered from anything serious like this and it sort of makes me feel and it probably probably does make a lot of other people feel that i can't i find it quite hard to be amongst like everyone else in terms of socially just yeah. trying to act as a normal way but i can't because because from what I what I've had it it affects me I can't I can't be the same I can't I can't be someone that I'm not because of because of yeah what's happened I can completely relate Lucy after having treat, treatment finished everything's gone in in that way you could think of as being completely cured in one phrase in relation to that I feel as though like ourselves in a way could be maps. So for example, I have, we all have marks on ourselves in many perspectives, not just cancer, but for example, maybe with us, like a, or for, for me, I have a mark on the back of my head. I have a, I have a mark below my shoulder and it's like, it's like the map that shows us where we've been. So in relation to that, we're we're cured in one perspective but in another perspective having that done I or we or a lot of other people don't feel the same we don't feel normal and for me and and for a lot of other people I'm sure that sometimes I feel in a way that I'm on the outside in a way as I find it hard to um like socialize or be a part of things in life there's like an invisible line that I have to cross 
to be a part of everything and I can't ever cross it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's something that I think a lot of people will relate to, that feeling of being on the outside and just not being able to cross that line of fitting in with everybody else because we all have our perception of normal. And when something like life-changing, like having a brain tumour happens, that throws normal out. You're suddenly left with, what is this now? If you could give one tip to somebody of how to move through this, if they're feeling like you said, Lucy, they're feeling on the outside or struggling with people staring at them or what What advice would you give? For me, I would surround myself in as many family members as possible, friends, family, cousins, whoever, even like healthcare professional or, you know, a charity, just someone to kind of help you get through those early middle late stages because for me when I was alone and felt really isolated and I'm like brain damaged from this brain tumor my family and my friends kind of all came together and I was like look you're not like you're really really not and I found that really quite positive to help kind of like pull myself together and be like look this is a new you this is you and you're gonna go out there and you're going to be confident and you're going to take everything, every opportunity that comes to you and you're going to use it to your advantage. So in that aspect, I feel like Friends, Family and the Brain Tumor Charity is a really good stepping stone to help you kind of get your life back on track um, and feel empowered and confident. Brilliant. That's amazing, Lauren. What about you, Lucy? I was just thinking about if, for example, you were being stared at or having certain thoughts that other people think that you're like, maybe one word could be weird or like something's not right. Like what's going on? That's like, that's their problem because that's who you are. You've, you have this, for example, you have lack of confidence or you have this certain part of you from from cancer and you can't change that and if people think that's weird I mean that's their that's their problem you can't change who they're at and they like people are very like highly likely don't understand what it's like to have cancer try not to um like get too upset or too like don't take it on too much about what other people think about you absolutely I think the biggest thing is acceptance accepting the change accepting things are going to be different once you get over that I think that's the biggest hurdle yeah that is a good one Cam it's been a really good conversation I'm really glad that we did this thank you Lauren thank you Lucy thank you thank you Sarah thank you thanks we hope you enjoyed today's episode Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org or email our support team at support at thebraintumorcharity.org. And finally, before you go, if you enjoyed this podcast, please can you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can reach more people and raise more awareness.
Hi, I'm Tamsin and I work in the individual giving team at the Brain Tumor Charity. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you or a loved one have been diagnosed with a brain tumour and are worried about your finances, the Brain Tumor Charity's Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, run in partnership with Citizens Advice, is here to help you. Our expert advisors can help you access the financial support you're entitled to, as well as give advice on how to make the most of your money. To make an appointment with our Benefits and Money Advice Clinic, visit our website at thebraintumorcharity.org money or call our support team on 0808 800 0004.